Hello, everybody, and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is our live room podcast. Hope you're all hanging in there. I feel like this today could take the tone of a, uh, boy, self-help session. I feel like there's probably some people who need to be um, calmed a little bit right now, maybe. People a little bit worried about the, the Blue Jackets start to the season. You've got O and three uh, Columbus against O and three Vancouver. And one of the things we can talk about, I suppose, if you wish, which is worse to have lost the first three games by three goals, each of them, or to do as Vancouver has done and to blow, this is rather incredible, actually, to blow a multi-goal lead. In all of their losses, including last night in Washington, they were up 4-2. They lost 6-4. So two desperate teams tonight nationwide should be anyways. And, you know, neither of these teams is what they look like right now. These are not the best versions of each of of these teams. And I think they're going to get better. Um. Blue Jackets uh, need a big night tonight, though, certainly, because after tonight, uh, they go into a three for four once again with Nashville, Pittsburgh and the New York Rangers. So maybe not quite as daunting as the opening weekend of Carolina, Tampa and St. Louis, but pretty a pretty tough slate of games. So this game tonight is important. I suspect they're going to play well. Um couple of things from the rink this morning. Uh, I think the thing you'll be most interested in, Patrick Line, uh, after the players finished an optional skate, Line uh, walked out of the room with full gear, not a tracksuit, full gear, uh, onto the practice rink and actually shot bucks. Now, he didn't. These were not Patrick Line blasters as Full max shots for sure. These were gentle shots, but still, I would think, a very good sign less than a week after he hyperextended his elbow in the opener. So um, talking to Brad Larson, and when we talked to Larson, this was before line A shot. I believe this was the first time he's been on the ice since then. Um, he said there's there's no updated time frame, and he hasn't gotten uh, updates on where Line's recovery is, but he has been told that he's improving. So I think the I think the chances of him playing in Finland are pretty good now, or at least decent. I think those games obviously have a lot of importance to him. Uh, the Blue Jackets, of course, want him back as soon as he is 100% able to be back. The NHL would love for him to be back for the Finland games, too. Um, because they do these global series games with the idea of the star player um, being the main draw, and line A would be the big draw there uh, as a kid from Tampa. So uh, that was one bit of news, probably the most newsy thing of the morning. Um, Lineup changes tonight. Adam Boakfist is out, and Nick Blankenberg is in. Blankenberg goes in on the second pair with Gavrikov, so you've got two new defensive pairs tonight. It'll be Wierenski and Peak, the top pair. It'll be Gavrikov and Blankenberg, the second pair. And then Bean and Goodbranson uh, remain the third pair. So Boquist, a healthy scratch tonight. And there are changes to the power play, uh, sweeping changes to the power play. 
So um, Jack Rostovic has struggled a bit five on five. He is uh, on the number one power play, and maybe this will get him going. Um, we saw last year how him going in on the penalty kill kind of awakened his game. So maybe the power play can do the same. Um, a reminder, if you want to ask a question, uh, step on stage, get in queue, and we'll try to get to you. Um, so there's that. There's uh, the lineup changes, the power play changes. Oh, excuse me, line A skating. And, um, you know, the Blue Jackets are kind of working their way through this. And, and uh, it's a curious spot, right? Because they, everybody knows they have to win and they want to win. And the sooner they win, the less, the less under the gun everybody is. And yet part of this is they just need to sort of relax and play. If they, if they, um, if they put too much pressure on themselves right now, it's only going to get worse. So there's a balancing act there to be sure. Um, and yeah, it'll, it's uh it's great drama, isn't it? Early in the season. Um, so fire away with your questions, fire away with your comments. We'll try to get to as many as we can. Um, and let's, let's go, let's step into the queue first. We'll start with Paul B. What do you got? Hey, Porty. Yes, sir. Uh, so you asked who? What's worse? I think the Jackets start is worse than Vancouver. Vancouver has really? at least been, yeah. I think you know. I think Vancouver at least has been competitive. Sure, they've blown some leads, but they were in the game in the third period and with a chance to win. You know, I don't think the Blue Jackets have been there yet. Well, and I would go ahead. let me cut in here if I could. I would agree with that to a point. I think the only game where the Blue Jackets really weren't competitive, though. Um, and it's the worst one to not be competitive in, but I do think it applies was the home opener against Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, I felt like, I thought they were, I thought they played really, really well in the first period in Carolina. Nothing to show for. I thought they played um, sort of a hesitant game in San Diego, but or San Diego, St. Louis, but a but a solid game for two periods, and then I just feel like at the big moments the. They don't have the confidence right now to be the better team, or at least they don't against those three. Um, but I won't talk. Look, three losses by three goals each is, is it is what it is. That's 14 to five. That's mm-hmm. not pretty. That's not pretty. But I do think there have been times in there where they've been competitive for what that's worth. Anyways, go ahead. No, I, I, and I hear you and I agree. I mean, this, the St. Louis one, I, you know, they had their, their spurt there at the beginning of the second period, but boy, it didn't, I didn't see much else, uh, at least, you know, from what I was, what I can tell, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know squat about hockey too much. <laughs> Not you like you guys, certainly. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm curious about something. Uh, yep. Zach Wierenski seems to be off to a very slow start. And I'm wondering, cause I'm just not seeing him very, he's not showing up on the ice very much. <clears throat> Certainly not showing up for the wrong reasons, but not showing up for the right reasons either. It, am I missing something, or what do you think of his start to the year so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the best you can say about somebody on this team right now is that they've just been kind of okay. And I think he's in that that group. He's been okay. I, I You know, I'm curious to see what he looks like tonight with Peak. They try, and they tr- they've tried last year, and they've tried this year for him and Bocus to be a thing. And it just never really seems to get traction. I, I think, you know, in, in one way it is a, um, it's kind of eye-opening how unsettled the back end is 
when a guy goes from being a top pair defenseman, I'm talking about Boakvist, to being a healthy scratch. Like that just tells you how volatile it is back there. Um, and so they're really looking for for a, a matchup. I think Wierenski, you know, if, if Boakvist is an, an offensive guy, he's a skilled guy. That's kind of what Wierenski is. So you put those two on the same pair and it's like, you know, who's the stay back guy? Who's the responsible guy? Who's taking care of the barn door here while the other one tries to go up and, and make a play? And I think if he's with Peak, if Wierenski's with Peak, that's just not even an issue. It's clearly it's Wierenski that goes up and carries the puck. I, I don't think Wierenski's been great. I don't really think anybody's been great. Um, and I see what you're saying. I, I, you know, the power play, the, where, which is where Wierenski can make a lot of his noise. It just hasn't been good either, like at all. Um, and it's 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 all over the place in terms of personnel. The the line A thing I think sent this club reeling for maybe a game and a half. I think it it just sort of knocked them off their moorings. And the reality of it's now in place. But I I, I don't think anybody's really. I think Gaudreau's jumped off the page a couple times, just individual plays. Um. But really, I don't think anyone's been otherworldly, and that includes Wierenski. I hope that's not too too harsh. Um, a reminder: if you want to ask questions, pose a question, step into the into the queue. Is that uh, is that good, Paul? Thanks for the thanks for the question. Oh, absolutely is. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Uh, let's go to. Oh, go ahead. Hey, Porty, how are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. Good, good, good. A couple questions here for you. Um, actually, tied together here, I want to get your idea on, you mentioned this in your article um, over the weekend about the Blue Jackets being plagued in when expectations are high. And this has yeah. been a problem with the franchise. And no matter how much the roster, no, much, no matter how much the personnel has changed, it's still been an issue. What are your thoughts on how that can possibly be and why we see that in an NHL organization? Well, I, I think there's uh thanks for the question. I think there's a couple of things at play here. I think the one thing that we probably need to consider is for a lot of these guys in the room right now, they're being, um, they're being expectations is a completely different thing from last year. And so much was new last year. Voracek spoke to that today. Um, anything they did last year was was considered gravy. If you remember, at this point last year, everybody thought they were going to be a lottery team, for sure a lottery team. And many people thought that was the plan even. A, a rebuild was underway in Columbus. Um, and so they, what they did was they, they how it turned out is they overachieved a bit. I think with Gaudreau signing, with the way that they played last year, I think people expect them now to be an over 500 team. And in the NHL, if you're an over 500 team, you're in the playoff race until late. And so that's the expectation now. And I think it's different. I, I'm not sure that teams necessarily look at them differently, although they plan for them differently, for sure, with Gaudreau there. I don't think people like brace themselves to play the Blue Jackets. They're not there yet. Uh, but I do. I think you saw that when when they transformed from fifteen sixteen to sixteen seventeen, 
And then by 1718, teams were more ready to play them. Um, I don't know that that's, that is in place right now, but last year, if they had been 0 and 3, people would have said, well, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at this year. Um, you know, the, hold on, it's going to be a long year, but it'll be worth it in the end. And now 0 and 3 is like, well, what the hell? You've said this is a playoff team. Let's go here. I think people in Columbus and beyond, some people expect them to make the playoffs this year. And so 0 and 3 is kind of jolting. I think the thing that they face in, in some of these games, like if you look at their, just their first three opponents, and I don't think it's the case tonight, and not, and not as much as it was in the previous three games, is those teams have all been together for so long. The nucleus of those teams have played together. They know who the leaders are. They know how they want to play. They know how they're playing when they play their best. For sure, Tampa knows that. Um, St. Louis knows that. Both of those two teams have won recent cups. Um, and Columbus is still, you know, people don't want to hear the young excuse. It's young, but it's also it's also them being young in their process together. Like they don't know who they're they, – there's not a single line here that you can bank on. Where are those other teams they have? This is one line. This is the second line. That's the third line. Like that is just a very consistent lineup, those three teams. And Columbus is still building and growing and learning. Um, and just signing Gaudreau over the summer doesn't change that. So I, I think I think it's two two different issues, though, that and the idea of teams when, when teams push the pedal to the floor like Pittsburgh always does. And they just can't match that. Um, and I think that's just pure freaking talent flat out and that's what the great teams do and the teams that aren't as great or are learning to be that great just hold on for dear life and hope you get through it and we've seen it many many times that's what the great teams look like that's why washington won a cup pittsburgh's won cups Tampa bay can do that to columbus carolina for sure can do that to columbus you're just holding on waiting for the storm to pass um, and as the Blue Jackets get more familiar with each other, as they grow, as they get better, um, those moments will be fewer and farther between. And they can they can exact that on other teams as well. But right now, that's a bit of a, a challenge. Yeah, and just you started talking about it a, a little bit here, and I want to just go off of that. How How is a team like Columbus – able to balance the the idea of this being a playoff team, but then you start out 0-3, it's very easy for them the excuse to come, well, we're still early in this rebuild, yeah. you know, or restart. You can't have it both ways, or can yeah. you? What are your right. thoughts there? Well, I mean, the, the former general manager here, Scott Housen, used to always say, under-promise and over-deliver. Now, they didn't always live up to that under house either, but that, that's what GMs sort of aim for. This group here has been pretty clear that they think they're a playoff team. Um, and look, I mean, they're a salary cap team. You should be pretty freaking good if you're a salary cap team in the NHL. I mean, you kind of set your own standard there, I think. So, yeah, I mean, not, I, I think it's realistic to think that they're not where they're going to be yet in, in two or three years, but they've told the world that they're a playoff team. 
So, I mean, here we go. Uh, you made it kind of, you, you sort of made the bed. I, I look, I, you know, I also think they can peel off two or three wins here in a row and be fine. But we've also seen how quickly these can spiral the other direction. Um, so they got to be careful with that. But, um, yeah, it, it, the restart is not over by a long stretch. I don't think they're a lottery team. Another way to look at this, I think, is they're probably done being a top half of the first round uh, selector at the draft. So, you know, you can wonder now, did they did they go down far enough in their restart? Did they struggle enough and get the reward of that enough to truly get where they want to get? Um, and I, I get why I get why Yarmo Kekalainen did it this way, the quick restart rather than the long rebuild, which God knows how long it can take. Um, but the reason teams bring it all the way down, the reason Chicago is doing what they're doing right now is to get top three picks, not top 10 picks. Um, and you hope that that they hope that that makes a huge difference. So we'll see. Anyways, Kyle, thanks for the questions. I'll Thanks, see you uh, Village Coffee soon enough, hopefully. Let's go to some text messages. I guess that's what you call them. Is that what we're calling them? Um, does it seem desperate to be so dramatically changing lines this early in the season? That is from Rick B. Well, I mean, honestly, I think the forward lines, the big change, of course, was forced upon them with, with line ace injury. So not a choice there. And I was thinking about this after the first game, you know, Brad in Brad Larson's defense, he loses a six foot five fin with a with Zeus's right arm and looks about the dressing room for a replacement. And there just isn't another <laughs> excuse me. There is not another towering, um, massive, uh, lightning flame throwing forward. So he ends up with. With uh, Justin Danforth, the five foot eight Canadian, um, totally changes the dynamic of that line, and obviously changes the dynamic of the line that Danforth leaves. So that one was forced upon them. They have flipped centers from Sillinger and Roslovic. Uh, Sillinger now in the number two spot, Roslovic in the third spot. I think it's safe to say there's well, there is disappointment with Jack Roslovic, assistant coach, associate coach, sorry. Um, Pascal Vincent said yesterday that he knows there's more there with Jack. Hell, everybody knows there is. Everybody who watched this team play last year knows there is more. And Roslick had the big turnover in the first game um, and ends up on the bench for a couple of shifts. And now in the third game of the season, he's been demoted to the third line again. So, you know, some of it's performance-based. Some of it is injury. But mostly, I think Larson has tried to keep things fairly normal. Um, or fairly consistent as much as possible. The defensive pairs he kept mostly to go all the way together for three for three games, which when you're giving up, you know, almost five goals a game, that takes uh, quite a bit of patience. Um, so, you know, when the results are the results. If they were losing two to one, then I think, okay, why are you changing things if people are playing really well defensively? You trust that the goal scoring is going to come. 
but this just hasn't been good hockey at times. Um, and the chemistry is not there. Now, Nyquist is back on that top line opposite Gaudreau again tonight. So for the first time this season, Gaudreau doesn't have a different opposite winger at the start of a game. This is two in a row with Nyquist. Maybe those guys can build something. Nyquist is just such a consistent, heady, smart player. Uh, not flashy, certainly not line A-like, um, but it, just a, a joy to play with from what most players say because he's so reliable uh, and so smart. So that line may not be um, you know, a high-octane dominating uh, force like it would be if lining Gaudreau are flying and playing Max out, um, but it should give you some solid minutes, and I think Nyquist can be a stabilizer there until um, Lainey gets back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, let's go to Dale B. Dale B says, this team has struggled to possess the puck and spend extended time in the ozone. Why is Marchenko still in Cleveland after having a hot start there? Danforth can slide to the fourth line where he can still be effective. And Olivier can go to the press box. Um, so I'll take this one. I think this is an interesting topic. and might be a topic to write about uh, for next week or later this week. The Blue Jackets have some guys in Cleveland that are, and this is a change from the last couple of years, that I think you could safely call them top prospects. Marchenko, Yerichek, uh, those two jump to mind. They have to be really careful. And and I think I think the the que- the question shouldn't be can Marchenko or Yurichek help this team immediately? Although that's typically how teams use players from the AHL. I think the Blue Jackets have to make a choice with this. Do you bring those guys up simply if they can help you short term, or do you factor into the decision only? their development, their long-term development. So in other words, you don't want a short, a short-term fix at the price of long-term development. And I worry more about Juracek in that regard than Marchenko. Um, and oddly enough, I go back to a teenage Czech defenseman from 20 years ago um, as sort of the, the basis for this question mark. Rostislav Klesla probably could have used a full season of the minors. He went back to junior the year that the Blue Jackets drafted him. He played nine games, went back to junior. 
there are many people who think he should have spent at least a year in the American Hockey League, maybe more, because Klesla was drafted to be a two-way offensive defenseman, carry the puck, possess the puck, kind of a Wierenski type, but more physical. And he came to the NHL at such a young age. The general manager wanted him here. The coach wasn't that sold on him being ready. But what happened, and I'm not the only guy who feels this way, many who watched him feel this way, that the offensive side of his game was allowed to wither and never fully developed. He, he became a shutdown defenseman in the NHL. He had a very good career, played for a long time. Rusty's a great guy. Nothing against Rusty. But he fell into survival mode in the NHL right away. And so all of the extra stuff that had the potential to make him an extra, to make him a special defenseman, that stuff was put on hold because he was just needing to survive and defend. And so his game never really found its true footing here. Um, and I, I, so I think your check needs to go to the American Hockey League. He's there now. He's played two games. He needs to thrive down there and be the full picture of himself, not just come up here to plug a gap in Columbus. And this gets back to the question that Kyle Z had. Like, is this, where are they at here? Because if th if they think this is the finished product, then you're doing whatever you can to make it as good as you can right now. If you still believe you're in the, the early part of the process, year two of a, of the journey of a restart, whatever that looks like, then I think you let your check find himself in the American Hockey League, get stronger, get bigger, get more acclimated to the North American style. And when he's ready to come here and be his full self, you bring him up. I feel kind of the same way about Marchenko. They sent him there to get more used to playing North American style. Now, scoring goals is a, obviously a really good sign, and you want him to do that a lot in the NHL as well. But if you're, if you're truly evaluating the kid, you're looking at all aspects of his game, not just the broken down plays and the goals that he scores, but how he's playing five-on-five five hockey to see if he's making the adjustments you want him to make. I also think it's possible that some guys cannot learn how to play in the NHL in the American Hockey League. And so they kind of have to go through it up here to get through it. I don't think this is hurting Marchenko, but I think all of this needs to be factored into when to call these guys up. It shouldn't just be about a short-term fix in the in the NHL. It needs to be for those two players, their long-term development, and really give them a a um, a footing there where they can become special, special players and transfer that into the NHL when they're ready. Um, Bemstrom had a couple of goals too. Maybe if you if you need a body, you, you bring him up. Um, I would be very conservative with Marchenko, but especially with Irichek. As as much as I want to see those guys here, because I think they're going to be super exciting players. Um, Alex L says, if the goals against continue, do you see the club making a trade? If so, any names who might be of interest? Well, I mean, I think Yarmo would like to do something. He's got too many right shots. Typically teams need right shots. And so maybe there's a market there. Um, I think the fact that something hasn't been done including over the summer, 
gives you an idea of how difficult the trade market is right now. Um, now, one name that, that's come up with the Blue Jackets and with several other teams is uh, Jacob Chitrin in, in uh, Arizona. And we wrote about this a couple weeks ago for the Blue Jackets Sunday Gathering, how Chitrin didn't want to be a Blue Jacket. And then, hey, Johnny Gaudreau's going there. You know, Columbus isn't so bad. Um, yeah, I don't know that he makes the Blue Jackets demonstrably better defensively. He's a he is a, a type A uh, person and personality. He is a left side defender, however, and unless someone's willing to move to the right side, you've got an issue with that as well, um, because the Blue Jackets with Gavrikov and with Wierenski are pretty well set on the uh, the left side. So. Um, yeah, I, you know what? Trades this early in the season aren't exactly typical. Um, but rule nothing out, I guess you would say. Yarmo takes phone calls all the time. Probably places a few, too. Uh, I think they'd like to change their their makeup on the back end. The other thing to consider with the back end, and again, nobody wants to think of it like this, if you're rooting for the 2022-23 Blue Jackets, but they've invested so heavily in the draft for defensemen. Three first-round picks the last two years. And so to give up too many resources to add defense now is kind of a curious play, unless you think those guys are a few years away. Your check is almost certain to be here later this season or next year. Matichuk, probably not this year. Next year may be a reach, too. But possible, probably the year after that. Corson Kuhlemans is going to be done at Wisconsin, most believe, after this year. And so help is on the way. It's just a matter of, can if you're the Blue Jackets and you're Yarmo Kekalainen, do you feel like you can afford to wait on that? But let's let's be honest here. If Kuhlemans, Juracek, and Matichuk are NHL defensemen, something has got to give at the NHL level. So Peak, Blankenberg, Bean, Bogfist, uh, Gavrikov's a UFA effort this season. I think they want to keep them. Contract talks have not been fruitful so far. Um, but some, there's going to be quite a bit of turnover there. Do you want to start that now, or do you want to wait on the help that you've drafted to get there? These are the, these are the dilemmas that they have to consider. Uh, Andrew L. Andrew L's got a licking county question here are you hating the cherry valley bridge closing as much as i am um you know what it's not the end of the world for me i i just swing up canyon and go to 37 um and there's ways around it i i feel better that it's closed frankly andrew because that sucker's over 150 years old and you know i'm not a great swimmer or a swimmer and uh, that could have been my ass in the Cherry Valley Creek or whatever, the Raccoon Creek. So I'm kind of glad they figured out that it wasn't safe to drive, drive across before we learned the hard way. Uh, until then, I'll be delighted to drive around, uh, take the old uh, the old uh, Licking County detour. Uh, Mike B. says, Boy, did you just see the last minute of the Toronto-Arizona game last night? I did not. It took a goal off the board because of a missed stoppage of play due to a hand pass. Did the rules change? I thought they only reviewed offside, high sticks, goalie interference, etc. Reminded me of the time we got screwed 
with a goal against and a one-minute PK because of a missed offside. And yet here, they pulled the goal off. Anyway, thanks for what you do. Yeah, I'd have to go back and see that. Um, yeah, I mean, good God. Does anything surprise you? Uh, I don't know of a rule change. Um, if there's any change to what they can review or what they will review. It, it does seem strange to me. Like, go, you go back and review the puck in the netting for sure. But due to a hand pass, I, that is not something that seems like a normal review to me. Um, huh. Yeah, I'd have to go see that. So sorry, I can't can't give you a, a concrete answer there. Uh, reminder, if, if you have a question, we'll step on into the queue and we'll bring you on the air here. I guess it's the air. Is it the air? It's the air. Um, and uh, you can ask your question in person. And also leave a text here if you got a question. We'll go for a little bit longer here. Uh, Porty, how is the culture doing off ice for the team? Um, you know what? I, I Honestly, I think this room gets along really, really well. Um, this could be a tricky question for, for uh, people who do what I do for a living because, you know, um, I mean, we, we see these guys and there are relationships there, but it's not. I mean, I don't know if, if if any of us are really qualified to to read too much into this. I, from what I can tell, this team gets along really, really well. And the thing you always look for is um, who hangs out with each other, and are there clicks? Is there, you know, there's six guys that are always together here, two guys that are always together, and there's not here. This group really mingles and really seems to get along well. Um, and they've got a really good mix. They've got a lot of young guys. They've got some personalities. Um, I don't think they have too many egos, which is another good thing. They've got Voracek, who just keeps everything loose. It's amazing. Voracek is this, you know, when he got drafted, he was a sort of goofy, fun-loving, um, eccentric kid. And now he's like this dressing room sage where you know, the young guys just sort of gravitate towards him. And um, he's he's been through a ton. And he's, uh, he's a funny guy, keeps everybody loose. Um, but he's all, he also burns hot and wants to win, which is a, the great, great mix. Um, so, yeah, I think this I think this. This room gets along really well. I really do. I don't think there's an issue there uh, at all. Um, Chris Beast has ported super early in the season. But how important is the win tonight given the upcoming schedule and the current state of the team? I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't win. <laughs> um, but, you, boy, you sure want to win here, right? I mean, that's the thing. There's, there's two guys in the room that were here in 15-16 when the team started 0-8. So that's probably a good thing. And it's Boone Jenner who can handle it, no problem. And Eunice Corpus Solid, who's not currently active and playing. He's recovering from a hip injury. So that thought, that those memories are not in the room. That's a good thing. Um, do they have to win tonight? They damn sure better win tonight. I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't. But you don't want this thing to spiral. Um, it becomes such a psychological burden. It's like compound interest. It just it doesn't just get bigger by the same amount with each period. 
it grows on top of its growth on top of it. It just gets big in a hurry. And so this is a big night for them to sort of, this is a team they can play with too. This is not, this is not a team that, that should be able to put the pedal to the floor and leave them in the dust like the previous three did. That's the team they should compete with. So, um, yeah, yeah, let's not kid ourselves. Tonight's pretty important. Um, so, yes. Um, let's see. We got a question. Let's go to P. Christopher. Hey. Um, uh, it's sort of a Columbus question, but sort of a league question. There's, I feel like this year, there's a bunch of teams where people are just freaking out immediately, right? Like there's Columbus, New Jersey, the Vancouver, Minnesota, Minnesota. all falling apart. But like, I also, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I understand, but like people were booing the New Jersey coach after the first game. Like, am I crazy or is this just the year of, anger and i don't know what it is but like fans are just going so nuts i, I get it you, you're disappointed but like i've never seen people boo the coach after the first game on a rebuilding team yeah yeah well i, well, I, I, think, I think speaking specifically, speaking specifically about, about i mean i don't think they think they're a rebuilding team anymore and i i feel not to justify their booing or not but from their perspective i think they're they're tired of is this the year Jersey is going to be good? Yes, this is the year they're going to be good. And then seeing the same shit on the ice. Um, when is that team, which has, wow, invested heavily in the draft, had a big summer this year with free agents. When is that going to turn around? Um, I think there's less patience there than there is in Columbus, certainly. Um, and Minnesota is picked by some to be a Stanley Cup contender. And they've had a worse start than the Blue Jackets. There's there are people who think Bruce Boudreau in Vancouver is on the hot seat already. Oh, and three. Um, it gets it gets uh, late early, as they say. Um, I think it's I think it's what expectations are. And then look at Arizona, um, Philly, right? We always think we know these teams, don't we? Pretty smart. Um, and it may, it's probably going to turn out that way that, that the teams that are really struggling right now that are, we think are good teams or will be there at the end. And Philly's going to probably level off. They're going to overperform under Tortorella. They're not going to tank because John Tortorella will not tank. Um, but who knows? This is the fun of sports. But I think it's when the expectations are there and the results just aren't. And I think that's what you're seeing in New Jersey. Um, cause that team, there have been expectations now for the last couple of years and they just really have not performed at all. So, so, and yeah, fans are blessedly irrational, right? That's the, that's the beauty of it, but it does seem a little bit different and more toxic this year. I, I always, I go on this rant quite a bit. I don't remember as a kid uh, and I grew up a big Reds fan and a big Browns fan. I, I don't ever remember being angry at them or um, it just seems to be more vitriol in sports now than there used to be. Like you wanted them to do well. And if they didn't do well, you didn't jump off the bandwagon right away. That's still your, still your guys still rooted for them. It does seem more vitriolic now, but I, I think that's the ticket prices. I think that's 
the ability for all of us to communicate. I think that's the exposure for all of it. Sports is just a bigger deal now than it was 40 years ago. But you're right, Christian. We all just need to freaking relax a little bit. Take it easy. Um, the Jackets lost three games in February in a row. Eh, not great. Not the end of the world. It's totally highlighted at the start of the season. Um, but this is what's before us. So, anyways, thanks for the thanks for the call. Thanks for the comments, Christian. Your time for go back to the to the uh, uh, comments here. Let's see. I think that's it. Uh, the team has struggled to possess the. Nope. I think we're good. Uh, if you got a comment or a you want to step to the queue, by all means do so quickly. We'll give it a couple minutes here, and then we'll we'll sign off. Um, certainly, thank you for for joining. Um, well, curious how many people are going to Finland and curious about the, the, the possibility of having a meetup there, either in Helsinki or in Tempera. Uh, so if you want to leave a comment or if you want to reach out via Twitter, maybe we can start to make plans for that now. Um, cause jet lag is going to be an issue folks. If you're making the trip over, uh, if you are, I'm sure we'll see you in and around Helsinki and then in and around Tampere. Uh, for the games, but um, look forward to that for sure. Okay, well, folks, listen. I think we're going to wrap. It's um, it's been great chatting with you. We'll do this again next week. Uh, really appreciate the questions and the comments, and thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you next week. We'll pick a date early in the week and and uh, map it out. Look for the updates and the prompts on Twitter. All right. Thanks so much. You guys have a great day. Take care.